0: Welcome to the Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. You're listening to our weekly worship service message. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here today on this beautiful Lord's Day. I always like to share a little humor at the beginning of a a message. Last night, during the night, my, my wife, Kelly, said to me, she said, Todd, would you would you get me some lip balm that was there beside the bed? And so it was dark, the lights were out. I I reached over and and I gave her super glue by mistake. She's still not talking to me. Uh, This past Thursday, it was a beautiful day. And uh, maybe you got outside, but late Thursday afternoon, my family and I went for a walk through the neighborhood. And as we were walking, even with our little dog, Snickers, um, we noticed some of the neighbors' trash cans had not been rolled up yet since uh, the trash had been picked up. So from time to time, we uh, tried to do a kind deed. And, and we were rolling trash cans back up to the neighbor's house, back to the back of their garages. and. Um, My youngest, Aunt Catherine, my seven-year-old, went uh, over on this side of the street, and I was over on this side, and she was rolling back one of the big recycling bins, and she was rolling across the ground, and anyway, it was on uneven ground, and and it fell, and uh, she was having trouble picking it back up, and she just looked at me, and I went running over, and I said, Honey, I'll, I'll help you, and I lifted it back up, and And I got my hand on it and I was starting to pull. She said, what are you doing? I'm gonna do it. And I said, no, honey, I'm just gonna help. We'll do it together. She said, I can do it by myself. And I said, honey, it'll be easier if we just do it. You put your hand on that side, I'll pull that and we'll go. Well, as I began to pull, she stomped off. (laughs) She gets that from her mother anyway. That's two. <laughs> Believe me, she's keeping count. And, and she stomped away, and so then I took controls and rode that uh, recycle bin back, back to the house, and we continued our walk. And, and I'm gonna come back to that in just a few moments, but um, today in our scripture reading, we see Paul uh, writing this letter to the church at Rome, and he was writing for several reasons. He was writing to prepare them for his visit that soon he would be making to come to them. He was writing to tell the overall plan of redemption for Jews and the Gentiles, but the primary reason he was writing this letter to the church at Rome was to present the basic system of salvation, to present the The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus was the way to salvation. And really, in Romans chapters 9 through 11, uh, Paul had been saying some pretty hard things to the Jews, some truths that they did not want to hear or that they really did not want to bear. And in chapters 9 through 11, he's really bringing condemnation against the Jews because of their attitudes toward religion. But be clear to hear this. He he did not present this message out of anger. He did not scold them. He did not yell at them. He, He did not browbeat them. Instead, He spoke the truth in love. Let me tell you, we're never going to bring our family members and our coworkers, our neighbors, and our friends to Christ by scolding them or yelling at them or telling them how awful they are. But we might have a chance through the power of the Holy Spirit if we share with them and we speak the truth in love. And I want you to hear me today that I am going with God's help To try to speak the truth of God to you in love today. You see, for the last several weeks, we've been going through a sermon series called uh, Building Our Lives Upon the Promises of God. And we've been looking at how these great and wonderful promises can help us through the troubled times in which we live to give us hope and peace and joy But know this, that there are some things that are hard for us to hear and hard for us to bear, and and sometimes we want to do things all by ourselves. And maybe you're here today and you're in a situation where that load is just too heavy for you to carry. The ground is so uneven, the path is so uneven for you to, to get your life back on track, back on the path where it needs to be. And could it be possible that today you need to stop being so self-sufficient and say, I need help. I need somebody to help me. I need someone to save me. I cannot save myself. And I pray today that we would hear this great and wonderful promise of God found in Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Will be saved. Isn't that great news? Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Today, if you find yourself in a place where you can't go on, that it's heavy, your life has been turned over with trash and debris and, and the craziness of this life, then I pray that you would be willing to cry out, call out to God for salvation. And to help us to understand today, we're going to ask three questions and the first question is this who needs salvation who needs salvation well the first word of verse 13 says for everyone everyone needs salvation if you would uh, look back in romans chapter 10 verse 1 paul said to the to the church at rome he was saying brothers and sisters he said My heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. You see, the Jewish attitude was that if we obey the law, the Old Testament law, then we will gain credit or favor with God. And Paul's message was that Jesus Christ came to do away with the law. We can't be good enough to earn God's love. We can only accept God's love into our hearts. And we know that this message was not only for the Israelites, the Jews, but for the Gentiles, for everyone. For if you read in in Romans 10, verse 12, it says, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. And then if you would read back in Romans 3, verse 9, it, it said, For we have made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are under sin. Romans three twenty three says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, then who is it that needs to be saved? everyone, everyone needs salvation. Many years ago when I became pastor of this church and well let me back up a little bit before that many of y'all have heard me share the story that I came to a, a Franklin Baptist Association meeting when it was over at the little church and this is before I knew where it was. I had to ask three different people how to get to Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church. Everywhere I asked, they said, well, you go down Georgetown Road and you come down, there's Elkhorn Creek there. And I said, no, that, that's not it. That's not it. Three people. I couldn't even find my way to this church. And so when this church was so kind enough to hire me as pastor, one of the first things that I knew I had to do Because I had to let people know how to get to this, where this church was. And so my mom and my dad, out of the kindness of their heart, said, Todd, we want to buy a sign for the church so people will know how to get there. In the meantime, before the sign was made, somebody took two pieces of plywood, put a sandwich sign type thing together. I've told you all this story out on 421 and painted a border around it, painted Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church with an arrow pointing pointing this way down Ducker's Road. Every Saturday night, I'd go pick up that sign over the side of the hill where a truck had hit it or snow and a plow had knocked it over. Or every Saturday night, I had to make sure the sign was there. Finally, the sign was being made over in Versailles, and and when they asked what you want to put on the sign, Well, Ports of course, Baptist Church uh, with the arrow pointing down Ducker's Road, you know, half a mile or six-tenths of a mile. And and uh, I, I was thinking about praying about along with discussion with my mom and dad. And, and mom said, what about a church for everyone? And I said, a church for everyone? I like that. When people see that sign... Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church down that way, I didn't want them just to drive on by. I want them to see that sign and know whether you're black or white or rich or poor or you've been in prison or, or you've uh, made uh, mistakes or, or you're white or you're black or whatever you may be, that when they see that sign, Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church, they would know that they are welcome because it's a church for Everyone. For everyone. Praise God. And then, when people started finding this church, we began to grow. And people were coming to Christ. And we outgrew the little church across the street. Some people, you know, I miss, miss the little church. Well, let me tell you something. If we would have stayed across the street, we would have died because we couldn't grow anymore. those walls and so god led us to build this church and guess what one of the things that we needed to do when we built this church is to have a sign out front so people would know again what this church was and what we were about and many of y'all may or may not know this but the sign out front that has the beautiful brass or letters on it that say a church for everyone. That sign was paid for by many of you and others who made contributions in the memory of one of our fine young men that tragically passed away in a car accident 17 years ago. Chad Lippert, that sign was built in memory of Chad Lippert the son of Tommy and Ann Lippert. So when people would come by and see that sign, a church for everyone, they would know they were welcome because that's what Chad did. He would share Christ with people and tell them about the Lord. And so when you see that sign, a church for everyone, there's a story behind it. The one out there and the one right here. And the message is salvation is for Everyone. Everyone. But it says, not only for everyone, it goes on to say, that calls on the name of the Lord. How do we get salvation? How do we get it? Well, it's not by doing it on our own ability. I can do it by myself. No, we can't. We cannot do it by ourselves. As a matter of fact, we find out in Romans 10 9 that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10 of Romans 10 It is with the heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And we know today that we must call on the name of the Lord. The word Lord comes from a Greek word, kurios, which denotes a respect. Uh, It's it's a special respect, maybe for a Roman emperor, for a Greek God, for the divine translation of the person of Jesus Christ, Jehovah, God. But we know when it says the call upon the name of the Lord, it's referring to Jesus Christ. If you would read in Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 12, it, it actually says uh, that we are to, there's no other name uh, given to man whereby we must be saved. Salvation comes from no other name but Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. That's what Jesus said in John fourteen six. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then Paul wrote in Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. We can't save ourselves. It's only through the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. Don't be so prideful, so stubborn, that you will not cry out to Him. Call upon the name of the Lord because there is power and authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Authority to save you and to save me. Friday night, my wife and children and I went to visit her grandparents over midway. And uh, her grandmother's in an assisted living facility in one building, her granddad in another, in a memory care facility. And what a joy it was to get to visit. And some of the residents, like Kelly's granddad, are struggling, and um, some days are better than others, like with all of us. And uh, I left his room to, to go down the hall to the restroom, and, and uh, it breaks my heart that there would be sometimes folks, you know, in wheelchairs or or putting a puzzle together at a table or whatever they might be doing but there was a a lady in kelly i don't know if you heard her i know our children did was out in the hall and she was just pleading help me help me somebody help me help me And i just went on by and went to the bathroom i and i you know i wanted to ask her but you know we've been instructed you know not to to always ask or do things don't even know if she knew what she was asking help for, but there were workers there and other residents. But help me, help me. Somebody, please help me. As she was sitting in her chair, I think about how many of us need to do the same thing help me, save me, guide me, direct me, change me, mold me, make me into your image. We all need to cry out to him and say, Help me, not be ashamed to cry out for help. Because he will not ignore your cry. He will not ignore your call. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The third question is: Saved from what? <laughs> saved from what? Well, in Genesis 2:16 and 17, it said, And God commanded the man that you are free to eat from anything in this garden but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did he say? If you eat of it, you will surely die. Did you hear that? If you eat of it, you will die. I've told you, at that moment is when the relationship with God was broken. They were in this paradise. It was broken. That's when sin came into the world. That's when pain and sickness and turmoil and hardship and death entered the world. All through the Old Testament, God tries to raise up prophets to get people to come back to God. But yet they would worship statues and idols and golden images. But then it was through Jesus Christ that He made a way. And He, through the cross, Bridge the gap over death so we could come and have that relationship with Christ. We read in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What do we need to be saved from? We need to be saved from eternal death. We need salvation. Jesus paid the supreme price on the cross for my sin and your sin but you must accept him in your heart look in acts chapter 17 verse 31 god has set a day that we will be judged did you hear that there will be a day where you and I will be judged as a matter of fact, if you look in, in uh, Revelation 20, verse 15, uh, he says, For anyone whose name is not written in the book of life, this is hardcore, it's harsh, but it's the truth, it's the gospel, anyone whose name is not written in the book of life will be thrown into a lake of fire. As a matter of fact, if you would read in Matthew 13, 42, uh, we hear these words from Jesus Jesus Christ. It's the parable of the weeds. And it goes on to say that they will be, talking about those evildoers, those who tried to sow weeds among the seeds, which is Satan and his workers. It said they too will be thrown into a fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I have to tell you, when God called me into the ministry, and I didn't want to be in the ministry, I'm being honest with you, the primary reason that I said I will follow you, I do, is to point people to the hope they have in Jesus Christ that they don't have to die and go to hell. Kelly had a college roommate and a teammate of hers at Moorhead State, sweet girl, fine girl, very active in her church and her denomination. But she told Kelly one time that she didn't believe that there was a literal hell. She said, I can't believe that a good God would send anybody to hell. And the truth of the matter is, God doesn't send anybody to hell. We send ourselves there. He's made a way. So we don't have to go there. Some of y'all are living with a husband or a wife or a child that are lost without Christ. We better respect and revere Him because one day we're all going to stand before the judge and give an account For every action, every word. Now Jesus paid it all, but we have to accept His grace. We have to accept Him and invite Him to come in. We have to give an account. We will be judged, and I hate to spoil it for you, but as real as there's a heaven, there is a hell. A lake of fire where there will be six times In the Gospel of Matthew, he made reference to hell as a place of darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know about you, I don't want any part of it. I don't want to go there. I don't want want you to go there. I don't want your families to go there. I've led people to the Lord on their deathbed that have cried out and said, I don't want my family to go to hell. Tell them about Jesus so they don't go to hell. I was thinking about Kelly. We ate lunch with one of our wonderful couples about a week ago. And through the course of our lunch, uh, this sweet lady, and I I didn't ask for permission to ask her if I could use her name. I'm not going to say her name, but she said, you know what, when I was growing up, it seemed like we heard a lot of sermons of hellfire and damnation. And she said, it just seems like people have lost that revere and respect of God. And we need to do all we can to plead with people like Paul was doing. Not, not scolding, not, not slamming their head with the Bible, but speaking the truth in love filled with the Spirit of God to say, I love you so much I don't want you to die and go to hell. As a matter of fact, in your In your bulletin today, there's a little sheet that we want you to to put at least three names down of lost or unchurched people that we want you to begin praying for that they would come to Christ and invite them to come to Easter service with you. At least three. We all can do that. At least three people that are lost. I don't want you trying to get somebody to come from another church We're trying to get people that are lost and unchurched to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Pray about it. Write their names down and pray over them that they might come to Jesus. That's what we're about at this church. And that's what I'm about. And I have to tell you as as we close that a couple Wednesday nights ago I shared with the church that I'm disappointed when we don't see somebody walking the aisle and making a decision for Christ. And I ask those of you who are here to pray with expectancy that we would expect a great God to do great and mighty things when His Word is proclaimed. And I use that story from Charles Haddon Spurgeon, great preacher of old in London, England, when a young minister came up to him and said, I've been preaching in the streets and no converts. What is wrong? And Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, I guess when you preach, uh, you expect every time for there to be decisions that there would be converts. And he said, well, no, sir, I don't. He said, well, that's your whole problem. You don't expect a great guide to save somebody every time the Word is proclaimed. So I shared my disappointment and asked for your prayers during invitation time is the most important time of the entire service. The, the prayers, the singing, all of that is pointing toward commitment time, invitation time. That's why I ask you to refrain from loading up your purses and Bibles and whispering where are we going to lunch and then start walking out that door because somebody might be trying to come this way. And we don't want to hinder anyone from coming to know Jesus and being saved from the lake of fire. That's the most important time. And I'm human. I get discouraged because I expect God to do great and mighty things. But you know, it's not always the marvelous, Kelly, as we talked about, but it's sometimes being faithful for the mundane, you keep on keeping on. It's not always grandiose, not always marvelous but ask yourself this question as Dr. Wayne Oates shared with us in class, ask yourself this question, am I being faithful? And if we're all being faithful, then God's going to bring the harvest. He's going to bring salvation. But I want to close by sharing, somebody blessed my heart and I told them today they did. And I'm going to, they sent me an email this week and God's timing is perfect. And I love her for it. And I appreciate her words of encouragement, but I'm gonna not share her name to protect the uh, guilty. (laughs) And this first part isn't to blow me up. It's to, I just wanna read what this pastor needed to hear. Hi Todd, first I want to say thank you for all that you do. The Forks of Elkhorn is truly blessed to have you as our shepherd. I wanted to say what I hope is an encouraging word to you about your altar calls. I pray you never get discouraged on these Sundays when no one comes forward. Last week's sermon was so strong and moving, my husband and I commented afterward that he couldn't imagine someone not coming forward after hearing the message. I said, me either, but it made me think about when I Fought that step. I remember when as a teenage girl I heard the Holy Spirit's call through the Sunday school lessons, the hymns that we sang in God's Word, and the sermons. But week after week I remember sitting on that wooden pew, dreading the altar call. And then it comes: Oh, here we go again. Oh no, not just as I am again. Sunday after Sunday, heart racing, Holy Spirit speaking to me, calling me, but I fought it for several weeks, and to this day I have a hard time singing just as I am without it moving me to tears. I knew the importance of the decision I was making, but having to walk up in front of my peers made me weak. I guess... There was that other voice in my head telling me how embarrassed I would be going up in front of all my friends and all those people in church. In parenthesis, it's funny when I think back now about the size of the little church and how few people we actually even had there at the time. When I finally stepped out in the aisle, I don't don't even remember who was in the church that day besides my mother. I don't remember which pastor was at the Forks at the time. I just know it was the best feeling I've ever had. I guess my point in all of this is, I just bet there's another someone who stands there every Sunday saying, oh, here we go again. Oh no, not that song again. They have made that decision in their heart and know the importance of it. Their heart's racing. Holy Spirit is calling to them. But like that teenage girl I knew, they're hesitant because of having to step forward in front of their peers. Never give up on them. They've heard you. More important, they've heard God through you. They'll be there soon. And Maybe that message is for you today. May we pray. Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there are any folks here that have never accepted your love, we can never be good enough and coming to church doesn't save us. We need Jesus. We need you. We long for you. We desire you. No, God, I would hate for anyone to leave this place without having a personal relationship with Jesus. That today there might be many who would accept Jesus Christ into their hearts, confess their sin, and invite you to come in to be their Lord, their Savior, their friend. Lord, maybe there are Christians in the craziness of this world, and, and they keep saying, I can do it by myself, I can do it by myself, we can't. We need a higher power, a supernatural strength that comes through Jesus. Oh, Lord, there are folks that have been looking for a church home. And, um, God, this is a wonderful place where your spirit is moving and alive. And, Lord, we know that Satan is doing his best to put up roadblocks, to put up hurdles, uh, to keep people from coming. Oh, God, may the floodgates open today. And may we boldly take a stand for Jesus, who boldly took a stand to die on the cross for us. Give us that courage, God, to follow your lead, even now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 11 a.m. For more information about our church and our ministries, go to ForksBaptist.org.